millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good evening, TC, and welcome all to part 84 of our weekly podcast, The Current View, Then and Now, with the Idle of Hillsborough, Mr. Terry Curran. How's things, pal? Steady away. Um, obviously, I say it every week, could be better. Obviously, we've we, we Janet been in the uh, situation, but other than that, not too bad. Yeah, I know where you're coming from because my mum is in exactly the same uh, situation. I was over and I seen my mum and I had a little bit of uh, better news today regarding my mum's cancer. So uh, all the best love and wishes to you and to Janet and to everybody that's suffering with this absolutely horrible disease. First and foremostly, TC, let's get into the football. And it's always the starter, the magic moment. So what have you sourced for us this week, mate? Well... It wasn't a great uh, free kick by uh, Ravel Morrison. Yeah. But what he did, and now he finished the rebound, yeah. was incredible. It just shows you how much talent that boy has got. For some unknown reason, it's just not happened for him. I don't know whether it's his fault or some of the managers' fault, but, you know, he's been, he's been with some big managers and some big clubs, so there's something not right. But what a talent he has when he, you know, when he gets it right. He's actually been at my club, uh, Birmingham City, on loan as well. And I'll echo that. You don't know as a fan what goes on. Only the management, the players and the player knows what goes on behind those closed doors in training on match day and and beyond that as well. But um, there's no doubting that the fella has an abundance of ability. And I, I think I'm right in remembering a game where Birmingham beat Crystal Palace 4-1 away, which was Lee Clark's greatest performance. And, and I do believe that Ravel was very instrumental in that. And the kid has got talent, so let's hope that he can kick on. I mean, he's 28 now, and he's probably had as many clubs as his years. Yeah. Yes, you, you're right there. I mean, I can remember Fergie... Uh, making a statement saying uh, pulling one or two of the boys uh, the great players at Man United um, and making a statement saying that uh, look at this boy here can we have a look at this lad here yeah. he's, he's the best young player we've had but for some unknown reason like I say it's just not happened for him yeah but again, let's hope that it yeah. can, because we want to see these players that can produce moments of magic develop and play on a pitch so we can all watch and drool over their obvious talents. So was that your magic moment for this week, TC, or did you get yeah. another one? No, that, that, you know, I like, I know we can look at two or three, yeah. you know, and, and there was some, some instance in the Coventry game against Forest, but having said that, Forest just sat back after they went 1-0 up. Uh, and it's sad to listen to managers, you know, giving all different sorts of excuses. Uh, the COVID's been around for everybody else for the last 18 months, 19 months. So, but uh, I like the way I've come to play. But, you know, I like to pick one, but it stands out. And I mean, yeah. the, the free kick and, like I say, all the rigmarole, what's gone around Ravel Morrison. Mm. 
you know, it shows you in glimpses uh, that he's got the talent. We all, we all know what people will turn around and say, well, you've got to produce it on a, on a regular basis. But like you just said, uh, I, I think sometimes it goes beyond that. It may, may be what's happening outside of football with yeah. him, what's uh, causing major problems. I don't know, but, you know, it, there's something not right with him, you know, for a, for, for a young man to have that kind of talent and play very little time in, in, in you know, first-team games. Absolutely. While we're talking about Manchester United, because he was there as a kid at Man United, another boy who was there at Man United, I'm not sure if he's on loan at Salford City or they've actually signed him, but young Matt Willock, uh, Joe Willock's brother, scored an absolute worldie for Salford against Orient. I was just saying to Tom, as a defensive scenario and as, as a coach, I'm looking at my defenders and thinking, what the hell have you run off there? Because I'm watching him and I'm, and I'm just saying, I'm shouting, make your run, son. Because there was a, a little ball, if it had just gone inside, the ball through two defenders, then you're in for a free shot on target. The defender moved and then allowed him, although he was standing there, to then touch the ball and was in about the same position where he should have been and cracked a worldie right into the top corner. So take well, a bow, son. Brilliant, and, and it was. But the, the, on that instant, what you're talking about, yeah. <clears throat> sometimes they're frightened to commit and close them down quickly because they're frightened of getting done. Mm. And he got he got himself in no man's land. Yeah. And I mean, in no man's land. I mean, I said to you uh, on Saturday, was it Saturday night or Sunday? But what days I spoke to you this week? Yeah. No, I am with days at moment in time. Uh, but going back to Birmingham, they've got a young lad on loan from Manchester United. Yes. And why? I was very impressed with him and all, but I've wrote on my wall before, Man United have got some great young kids coming through. But you've always maintained that, TC. I mean, even in your area, in Yorkshire, you know, the likes of Manchester United, they have, that they cherry-pick. The big clubs have that about them that they can cherry-pick. So if you are going to have a player on loan from Man United or Chelsea or Manchester City, you know that the player is going to be quality. Well, they, they are going to get the best young, young lads. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean they're going to turn out the best. Absolutely. Because some, some, of, them, some of them fall by the wayside. 100%. For whatever reason, yep. uh, others catch them up, that type of thing. Yep. Um, but all the big clubs, you know, they do cherry-pick from everywhere now, not just here in England, uh, throughout uh, Europe uh, and even Latin America, the, you know, they're coming in Africa, they're coming from all over the place. I know there's been a, a, a clamp down on some of it, but for the, they always seem to get round it some, uh, somehow, the uh, the big clubs. Um, when you look at it all, <clears throat> when you look at it all, I, was, I worked in academy, and I'm not going to mention them because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it brings the club down uh, and not the... Um, and not the coaches. What's running it? Yeah, uh, he's not in the game now. So, and he's he's had a bit of a, an illness. So I'll not mention him. But I was at one club, and he said to me, "What do you think to these?" And when I tell him they weren't up to scratch, he said, "Don't worry. Uh, if we get one through, we'll be happy. But if we don't get any through, we'll get what Leeds, Man United, Liverpool, um, Everton." We'll get whatever they uh, what they uh, don't want yeah. when they release their players, you know, because they know they're being coached and being trained. But if we don't get the better ones, even the second better ones are better than ours. Mm. What's coming through? So that's just how they think sometimes. And yeah. you think to yourself, is it worse from having academy, academy some of these football clubs? Because they're not really, really 
pushing the young boys and just letting them come through. And just if, if it happens, it happens. If it don't, then we'll take the, the cast off from Man United and from mm. from your Arsenal, from your uh, in these local areas, like you know, uh, from your um, Leeds and your Sheffield United and your Liverpools and all them and Evans, all them. That's what they, that's what they do. They certainly do, and I'm gonna. I've got a first question for you, and it's about the uh, the League Cup, so I'm going to just put that on the back burner for the moment. But my other magic moment, and I'm, I've had two this week because it leads us into uh, a, a post that you put on to your Facebook wall, which then will lead us on to Book Corner, which your book, Give Me The Ball, is, uh, is out now. But it was Calamo Hare's Nutmeg for Coventry City's <laughs> equalising goal. Yeah. Now, I like this kid. I've watched him when he got released from Villa. I'd seen a little bit of him when he was at Aston Villa. He's got absolute bags of talent. He was one of my six to watch uh, last season. And when you look at this kid, Callum O'Hare, he's a football player and it's great. Again, like Morrison, seeing players, midfield players that are on the ball, that are confident or inside forwards as it is with Cal, play the ball forward, looking to be positive, looking to make things happen because that's what I want to watch in football. And then it leads us to your post about nutmegging Jack Charlton. So you take up that story, sir. Well, before the before the, the Jack Charlton incident, uh, you're right. Uh, these type of players need to be loved. Yeah. You know, and and, and he's gone to Coventry, and the kid. But it's not just the kid. The the, the team itself. The majority of those players, you can see how confident and composed they are on yeah. the ball. But going back to Nutmegs, you know, when I was at Sheffield Wednesday, I mean, not just Sheffield Wednesday. I I, I did it nearly at every club. I would I would play it. I remember Nutmegging Bawley. I mean, Bolly never used to get angry. He put his eyes up. He put his eyes up into the sky and think, "How, how let that happen?" That type of thing. But with Jack, um, we were short with the reserves. Uh, Jack loved, used to love the reserves to play against the first team. Yeah. Uh, trying uh, sort things out, whether it be free kicks, throwings, that type of thing, uh, ready for the uh, the next game uh, that mattered to Sheffield Wednesday. Anyway, I said to Andy McCullough, "If I get the right ball, or what happened? They were short the reserves." And Jack, uh, Jack decided to play. Uh, and as usual, he weren't playing at uh, at the back. He were playing in midfield. Yeah. You know. And uh, I said to Andy, if uh, if this ball comes right, if I get a right ball, and I time this right, I'm going to nutmeg Jack. <laughs> because Jack used to, you know, if he did something like that, he used to go ballistic. He, he hated it, doing it with the opposition. Near mind your own teammate. Anyway, um, I said to Andy McCullough, I'm I'm, I'm going to do it. So Andy. Oh, Andy were always smiling. He always used to say to me, because whatever I did, I, whatever I said, I used to say to Andy, you know, I'm going to run with the ball back to the uh, to the goalkeeper. You didn't do it. Anyway, I said, I'm going to nutmeg the goalkeeper here. I'm going to make nutmeg Jack. So uh, he said, I bet you didn't do it. Anyway, we've been playing for about 20 minutes. Um, Brian Aldridge plays me an absolutely peach of a ball. But uh, if Jack had read it, He'd have got there, but he yeah. didn't. He delayed it because obviously he was frightened of the pace of, uh, of my pace. And then he decided to come. And as he's come, he's tried to stretch, put his long leg out. Yeah. He tried to stretch and I put it between him and he's gone ballistic, you know. <laughs> and I'm, I don't like swearing, but I'm going to turn around what he said. He said, I'll fucking snap you in two, you little twat. <laughs> so I stopped. 
He turns around and he, well, no joke in the park. You could see his face were red with anger, you know. And he comes running back at me like a bull would to the matador. And as he's come in, right, he's come diving in. I've looked at me, put it through his legs again, nutmegs, and shouted again, nutmegs, and jumped over him. And he's got up and he started chasing me. And all lads are, you know, roll, not rolling up with laughter, but they're pissing themselves a laughing, you know. And he's chasing me around the field. And I'm, Slowing down for him to think he can catch me, and he kept kicking out. You know, I wish we'd have had uh, uh, telephone cameras in in our days or cameras in and around the ground because it would have been brilliant and so funny. You know, for people to see things like that. What what does happen sometimes? And sometimes, you know, you see fights in uh, football grounds. But that was one of the funniest moments for Jack. And if you could have captured that moment on film, it oh, would have gone viral, wouldn't it? Just, just going back to AB. You're not kidding, by the way. It would have gone viral, that. Yeah, just going back to Alan Ball. He he liked to do things. I remember interviewing Tony Curry, and that TC said told me of the situation where Ballie had sat on the ball against the TC. Yeah. And then Tony... Re- the same thing. Exactly. He repaid the compliment. But Borley said to him, after TC had done that, he said, I've got something special for you next time. <laughs> and he says, you know what he's done? He actually he put his foot on the ball and tied his laces up. He said, and I never, ever got him back for that. <laughs> but they were characters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all the people were characters. Yeah. You know, your Alan Hudson's, your Stan Bowles, your Tony Curry's, your bought There were hundreds of them. Yeah. Stacks of them. Frank Worthington, there were stacks of them, you know. Uh, even Charlie Cook going back, uh, well, I mean, Charlie Cook was the same age as Bawley. Yeah. Um, but when you're watching that old Chelsea team, uh, Peter Osgood, they, they've all had, there were a lot of characters in, in and around our game, but it, it was soon taken, taken out, and obviously the coaching changed. I mean, when I say it changed, it changed. Did it change for the better or change for the worse? What it did, it, it took out the, they wanted to be more organised defensively. That's that's what they did it. So they would leave a winger out, or they would leave a player with skill out. What would try things to make it more defensive? Not the top teams, but the other teams, and then other yeah. teams, then the top would would try start to do, copy, not copy them playing, but copying them, uh, knowing that if there was a weak link, weak link in their team at the back, then at certain games that's what that's what they would do. They put an extra man in their midfield or an extra man at the back, you know play with uh, five at the back or play with five in midfield. But uh, no, they, they were great characters. And I mean, Borley was one of the best out of them all because he would try things and do everything. You know, he, he wouldn't bother what managers said to him. Yeah. Talking of Charlie Cook, when I was around my dad's there the weekend, his, his best mate was sitting in the garden. We were talking about football. And he said, did you remember when we went to Chelsea? And they were sitting there at Chelsea and a couple of women behind him says, Charlie Cook ain't playing today, he's injured. And Duffy turned round and says, yeah, he dropped a pint pot on his foot last night. <laughs> <laughs> he said it almost but, went off. <laughs> but it, uh, it, you know, it's brilliant that, but when you think about it, yeah, a lot of, a lot of players did. Yeah, Danny, absolutely. You know, yeah. Some got away with it and some didn't. Hmm? I mean, what do you tell you? I mean, uh, Tommy Baldwin was the leader of the gang of the uh, the Kings of the Kings Road in that Chelsea team. And uh, him and Charlie Cook, they'd go down to Kings Road arm wrestling with, uh, uh, what's it, um, the man, who was the man that called horse? Richard Harris. And, oh, uh, yes. Yeah, and the, uh, 
yeah, the uh, the the one that absolutely liked to wild thing. What was it? Oliver 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 Reed was it? Oliver, yes, Oliver Reed. Yes. Yeah. Them pair they used to go down there on the on the night. So, but that's what players used to do in those well, days. Look, look at look at the great Bobby Moore. Oh, absolutely, the, yeah. The West Ham players. Yeah, yeah. To one of them. Yeah. About three or four of them when they got sent home when they, yeah, they played did. Blackpool in the FA Cup. Yeah, something. they did. Got big for one. Yeah. Uh, but there was a lot of that where it, it were kept quiet, you know. Mm-hmm. And then obviously when a manager would, would lose it with, with a player, then it would it, it would leak out. But uh, there was a lot of it going on. Absolutely. You talked yeah. about characters. We've been talking about characters. And this is my first question before we go into Book Corner, because I want to talk a, a little bit of length about your new book, Give Me the Ball, that's out now. The League Cup. How important is it to have a cup competition where you blood kids? But when you're blooding all of the kids, is it really worth it? I've noticed a lot of clubs tonight, I think Nottingham Forest have won, that have given, I think, 11 debuts. Now, where I'm coming from is, back in the olden days, we used to have a reserve team league. You used to have your intermediate then your reserves, and then your first team. So players, the young kids, would be playing with senior pros. They'd be in and around a dressing room of men. And that's where lots of players back in the 70s got their character building from, playing with men, rather than now they're playing just with kids. Well, if you ask ask young players nowadays, I I would bet the majority of them would want to play with senior players. Yeah. Because they can learn from them. Yeah. Uh, the thing about all this, these competitions, you know, it's like when the when the at the lower level, and we'll go back to the high level in a minute. But mm. at the lower level, they play. It's an under twenty threes, and they play the kids. Yeah. And what I mean by the kids, they play the kids from the um, youth teams. Yes. So the the young pros are coming out of, out of uh, the academy to become pros. Yet the only football they're playing is kid football. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Now, when you play, when you when you're playing like Nottingham Forest, and they're going to play eleven uh, young players to make the debut. First and foremost, when the club is not playing particularly well, it's going to the manager will bring a lot of pressure on himself. Yep. And he'll bring a lot of pressure on those players. I mean, young kids uh, don't see fear and don't feel fear. Yeah. They'll go out and express themselves. But they'll not be physically strong enough when you're playing against experience. Yeah. You know. So to blend in, maybe two, and it, they would benefit from it, right? And it would make it would make a big difference. You know, they're going to blend eleven in. One or two of them will make mistakes because of nerves and everything else. Yeah. Uh, and if the result goes the wrong way, the fans will have a little bit of more. I guarantee. The manager will have a little mold. Yeah. And the biggest thing what the manager uh, will upset the, the players with, because they don't realise it. I mean, somebody like me didn't bother because it's like water for duck's back. But when they turn around and say, you know, do you see what I mean now? They're not ready to go. And... So it makes that player think he's not ready. Yeah. And he's not giving them a fair crack of the whip to play with senior pros. So, you know, for me, I don't I don't mean. Re- I'm not really interested in the League Cup anymore, unless yeah. you get to the final and you see the, you get two major teams in the final. But best of it, it's just poor because, you know, 
they're just playing they're just playing very weak teams. Yeah. And and if the ones what play if the ones if the teams managers play the team uh, play the players um what's not playing on a regular basis then it's a good excuse if they get beat to say, well, that's another reason why we don't play these players. So that's why you get a lot of uh, unrest at football clubs. Yeah. But when you look at people like Bielsa, uh, when he, he, did, he, he never came in here moaning and groaning about money and etc. He's still got a lot of players from, from when he first, from first, come into, uh, Legion, first came to Leeds United. Yeah. But he will play kids, right? He'll not play all kids, but he'll blend kids in. You know, there's... There's a right way to do it for me, and and I'm not saying that I'm right because at the end of the day, they're the managers, and they, you know, they uh, pick who they want to be. It's their club, it's it's their job at stake. But I don't think it does. It do, I don't think it does the club any good. I don't think it does the players any good, and it certainly does the fans any good because they're paying good money to go there. You know, they want to see kids coming through, but they don't want to see eleven because they could go down on a Saturday morning. To watch the uh, the young kids play football on a Saturday morning. Yeah, they want to come and see uh, a young player blooded, uh, bedded in with the um, with senior players, and no, and and let's see him express himself, see how he can handle it, and that's the better way to do it. But at the end of the day, I'm not in football. It's 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 the managers what uh, are those clubs uh, will pick and, and play how they want to play and play who they want to play. So. We can all have a little moan about it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't do us any good, and it, they're not really bothered either, other than the managers. Absolutely, and that was my my only criticism with Birmingham last year when we went to Portsmouth and played probably seven, eight, or even nine kids. And I did say then it would be much better if they'd have played three, four, or five with senior pros, and they would have got more experience and a more positive experience than getting a little bit of a dick in against the very, very average Portsmouth side. But what I, but, but what I will say about that yeah. is that I thought they did all right, them kids. Even they're one, they're one bad. Yeah, one what bad. What did I say to you after that game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Joe Bellingham is a player. His brother was on the bench last night, Job, and he's only 15. So they're, they're a very talented family. And Birmingham have uh, sold one to uh, Borussia Dortmund, but they've still got another little diamond uh, waiting to be uh, be cut and integrated into the first team. But listen, that's a good thing about it. Yeah. You know, uh, if they're good enough, they will come through. 100%. But some of them still, still feel a bit weak and uh, a bit afraid of yeah. things what happen, you know, what may happen. And they don't, they're, they're trying not to make, uh, take a chance. So at the end of the day, what they will do, uh, it can either make them or break them. And that's the difference. And the strong ones like Bellingham, and like you just said, they will come through. Absolutely. Book Corner TC in association with myfootballbooks.com. I had a wonderful conversation with Andy on uh, on Saturday. Uh, I'm a big admirer of his work with uh, promoting all football books, not just books that are coming out now, but books that have been out for some time. And when there's an anniversary, when there's a birthday, he'll, he'll put something up with um, Terry Curran, 
birthday. There's his, uh, his first book, The Regrets of a Football Maverick. Alan Hudson on Alan's birthday. Alan Hudson's autobiography, The Working Man's Ballet. So he does that and, and, and he'll put different books that have been out at different times to birthdays and anniversaries, which is absolutely fantastic because we miss so many books. There's hundreds and thousands and thousands of brilliant football books. And he sent me one of his bookmarkers and he's also sent me one of his mugs as well. So thank you so much, Andy. And brilliant, Andy. Yeah, yeah going forward, we're, as I say, we support his project because I'm a big fan of his work. But I'm a big fan of your work. I was a big fan of you when I was a kid and you as a player. And Gimme the Ball is out today, sir. So talk us through your brand new book. And by the way, I've already got the title for your next book as well. I'll tell you later. Yeah, well, what, 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 what I will say about the book, it's got, it's obviously got about all the all the football clubs I've played in. Yeah. Um, I played it, I should say. Um, and it's about, obviously, a big part of it is about my, my love for Sheffield Wednesday and everything else what goes uh, goes along with that. But I want people to buy it and to enjoy it and let them give me their honest opinion of it, you know. Yeah. I, but, it, you know, I think it's going to be a good read but it's not, I don't like to say about myself. I mean, I, the thing is, I look at it now when I was playing football and I never used to say things about myself. I'd just say, you know, if I didn't agree with it, it, the tactics of the manager, I would I'd express myself that way. Mm-hmm. But the book, the, well, I need, obviously, I need to sell the book in a sense, but I should let people know. But I want people to buy it, have a look at it and then let them give me their honest opinion of it. You know, Ron Atkinson's in there. Why did I call it Give Me The Ball? Because I always wanted the ball. Um, and when I played at these football clubs, people like Kevin Ratcliffe when I was at Everton, um, Cluffy when I was at uh, Notts Forest, they, he used to turn around and say, give him the ball. Yeah. You know, because I weren't, I weren't, even if I made a mistake, I still wanted the ball. I still would look for the ball. And when I was playing and still playing, when I, when I, when I go watch games now, you still hear scouts will say, you know, that boy wants the ball, even if he's not playing well. You know, and it's it's true. That the thing about that is the, you've got to get a player what can make things happen yep. for your team. And I was one of those players. I, again, I didn't do myself any good by going to play third division football. But um, I've enjoyed doing it with, with, with John, uh, John Brearley. Um, I've already, uh, it hasn't even come out yet. And I've sold 50-odd uh, books good. Uh, yesterday uh, and today. Um, tomorrow will be the launch of it um, and then we're going to push it and we'll take it from there but uh, I think it's going to be a good seller Well I've already posted it up on your social medias and I had a conversation with you today there are a few direct messages of people wanting a book uh, fans are also asking, will they be signed copies? I've answered that for you. Yes, there will be. So you're going to be selling it pretty much via your social medias. So yes, it, I am. So it'll be a pretty good idea for us to give out your social medias. So it's on Twitter. It's at Terry Curran underscore 11. And then Curran dash Terry 11 which is your yeah. personal, you've got to. And going, yeah. Go going back to that, going back to that, uh, I, I did let the um, publishers have 50, uh, 250 books and yeah. uh, they will, they, they're going to sell one or two. But after they go, they'll only be able to get them through my site. Yeah. Because, you know, you get sick and tired of other people making money out of you. Yeah. You know, 
and Amazon and all these other people. So I, I said to John, um, we'll go down the route where we'll sell them our social media, when I'm going to football grounds, when I'm doing question and answers, you know, uh, and, 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 and selling on my social media like you've just uh, put out there for everyone. Um, and then we're going to benefit from it, me and John. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and not people like Amazon. You know, they make enough money out of out of people. So I said to John, we've agreed that's how we're going to do it. So if people really want it, they will get it. They will be able to find it on our social media, on, on my social media with you and uh, your type. And I'm going to put it to one or two other, pe- other places uh, where they'll be able to get it. Absolutely. And on Facebook, it's Terry Curran Official or your personal Facebook page, which is Terry Curran. And we have got show accounts as well on Twitter at Current View and then on Facebook, The Current View and also a group, The Current View, which I post up modern things, things that's going on today and a bit of what went on yesteryear because we've got other uh, group uh, pages where I've got one uh, 60s and 70s, you've got one uh, 60s and 70s too uh, and and we post the podcasts and pictures and and all things of yesteryear because we love to reminisce about the good old days. How does this book differ from the regrets of a football maverick, TC? Well, it, it, there's a lot. There's lots of things in it. Yeah, uh, similar, not similar. Uh, I mean, the thing about it was about me and uh, my upbringing and everything else, and what I did in, in football. Yeah, it's part of it. You know what? Uh, what I've been talking about for forty years about the eye press, um, trying to win the ball higher up, yeah. uh, and entertaining fans. Mm-hmm. There's part. There's bits in it when, I, when when people you know laughed at me and when I said. You know, the transfers would break the ten million pound transfer margin. Yeah. There would be foreign coaches. There would be more foreign players, and there would be the all-seater stadium. You know, and I used to write in, my, in, in the Sheffield Star about it, and people, the reporter laughed at me. Said that will never happen. I'm yeah. looking at it now. It's going And it, by the way, it will happen because once Amazon comes in, right, uh, and Google, um, Twitter, and all these, Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at what's happening in football at the moment in time, you look at uh, Paris Saint-Germain with Messi and Papi and Neymar, how they can afford it. But what will happen is more big money comes into it uh, and that's how they're going to pay it, you know. But there's lots of different things in there. There's lots of interesting things from the clubs I played at, which is Sheffield uh, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield United, uh, Everton, Southampton, Derby County. Great players I played with. Yeah. You know, um, so it, it, the book itself is worth is worth getting. And your first Q and A will be on Saturday at the City Ground, won't it? Yes, the first one's at uh, the City Ground because obviously uh, that's where it started after Doncaster. Yeah. Um, so I will be I will be doing the rounds. Uh, I will be uh, I will be going to supporters clubs um, and doing questions and answers anybody wants to book me they can book me through my Facebook um, so that type of thing that's what I'm going to be doing that's how we're going to sell it um, and we're going to see how it goes from there and it will be great to see Terry Curran in the flesh 
asking those questions about those Alcyon days. And I'm sure that most pubs in Sheffield will want a little bit of Terry Curran. If you listen to um, Johnny Owen's show on Sunday between 9 and 11 on TalkSport, Johnny's going to give you a book a shout as well. So the more shout-outs, the merry, and the more sharing and, and retweeting as well. You know, yeah. getting, getting, getting it out there to the masses is what yeah. we want, TC. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be doing local... Radio Sheffield, I'm going to be doing Radio Nottingham, Radio Derby, Radio uh, uh, Everton, so Southampton. Yep. We're going to do all these. We're going to push them all out to all all various fans because it's got it's got things in the book for all uh, all football fans. And also TC, I mean, I'm not a fan of any of those teams, but people like me that are genuine lovers of football, there's lots in there. In fact, I'd probably get more out of it than an Everton fan or, or a Sheffield United fan, for instance, because I look at the whole of the career of Terry Curran, where you do tend to find that football fans of a specific club really only want to know what happened while you were there at their football club. And I like to read and listen to the stories of all footballers of that golden age. Well, always listen to the story, not a story. Because Absolutely. Because that's what a lot of people do. They listen to a story, not the story. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm double of you, really, because you're a big, big Birmingham City fan. Yep. Right? And I'm a big Sheffield Wednesday fan. But if anybody plays my team and beats them, I'm not the one what's going to get his head down and sulk about it. I'll look at it and think, right, we've got to do better than that. But I want to praise the opposition because if they played well... Yeah. I want to look at it and think, well, Avenger, at least they've played well. You know, if my team hasn't played well, then what is the reason? Is it the philosophy? Is the players not up to it? Is the manager not up to it? That type of thing. Yeah. But I always want to see a good game of football because that's what, first and foremost, that's what fans deserve. Absolutely. They deserve to, I mean, it's never always going to happen. We all know that. Players can have off days like any, like anybody, like anyone else. But as long as they try and play football and try and win a game of football. So there's lots of interesting stories in in, in the book. And it, so like I say, it, it's well worth a read. If it's only half as good as your first book, it's going to be an absolute bestseller. Knowing you the way I do, it's going to be even better than your first book. It's going to be a page turner and it is the must buy football book for any football supporter of all clubs. It is. It is. And it's for everybody. Um, and it's for everybody what's, what really loves football, yep. loves the team, but really loves football, uh, wants to see entertaining football. You know, there's lots of good things in there about the managers who are played for. There's lots of good things in there about players who are played with. You know, uh, disappointments, uh, the highs, the lows. Um, but there's some funny, there's some funny stories in it. So it's got a lot of different things in it for 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 all types of different fans. It's, it's a mixed bag of just fantastic football memories. Second book, TC, uh, our recommendation or rather 
their recommendation from myfootballbooks.com. So check out the Facebook and their Twitter pages, guys. We share them on our socials as well. It's Angels with Dirty Faces, the footballing history of Argentina, written by Jonathan Wilson. I'm a big fan of Jonathan Wilson's work, although I don't read it, but I do I do like the books that he writes. I've got so many football books. I do say every week that one of these days I'm going to, read my books it's going to take me if I live to about 200 I don't think I'm going to have enough time so I better start pretty quick and at the moment I'm reading The Time of My Life by Roy Cavana and it's a fantastic book about Manchester United from about 1952 up to 66 so I'm going to be doing another podcast uh, with Roy shortly because he's got another book on the 70s of, uh, of Manchester United but check this one out guys I mean it looks a terrific book and you know it's talking Talking about the likes of Alfredo De Stefano, Diego Maradona, Batistuta, Riquelme, and the uh, the little boy wonder that's just moved to Paris Saint Germain, uh, Lionel Messi, and it looks as though Messi's levitating. Something that he's going to probably do in that front three with Mbappe and Neymar this season. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's great. To, it's great to um, read books like that, yeah. and you know, and read about interesting things about great players but at the same time i bought uh john purdy's book yes i bought john purdy's book um and obviously he had one or two problems and it sounds of it um when i said problems with managers and, and how we wanted to play and he started off to ask me we're at forest and all these type of clubs but i can relate to it even at that level because you know he found he found a manager what really uh, appreciated him, and he brought out the best in him. Yeah. Uh, and, and and anybody who wants to um, buy a book, they want to try that because it's. I found it very very interesting. I, I couldn't put it down. John Bird, Bird's Booze and Footy, very 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 interesting book. I really enjoyed it. And I'm not. I'm like you. I'm not one for be, sit down reading books, but uh, I wanted to read it and I've enjoyed it. Fantastic. And our third book in uh, Book Corner this week, I posted up on uh, Twitter and Facebook on The Current View what we do. I We do a, a Book Corner. We give a shout out to uh, books and authors and football players and anything involving the, the beautiful game. And uh, Stuart Kane messaged me and said, fancy giving my book a shout uh, Man Friday, about Robin Friday. So yeah. I, I looked down his socials and he was local to where I live, Birmingham. And, uh, and I said, well, if you fancy it, let's do a live broadcast in in our SRB uh, media studios. So so we did. And that's up on our socials. And I've got to say, it was an absolutely Brilliant. fantastic podcast. It was a joy to listen to Stuart. Yeah, Attention fantastic. to details, fantastic. And Robin Friday, what an absolute character. So read the book. It's in two. There's two books. It's the first half and the second half. Again, it's about 500 pages plus with the, with the two books. And uh, the one's pretty much looking at the Reading years and the other one, uh, the Cardiff years. So I'm looking to get in my teeth into that as well very shortly. Yes, uh, but but it, I mean all these books, you know, buyers mention them or, 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 or trying to uh, promote them through through the uh, podcast, you know. 
some people will find some of these books really interesting. Yeah. They, mean, they, might mind, they might not find it, but they might think, yeah. well, what a great book that is. And we wouldn't have heard of it if it wasn't for, you know, uh, the Gabby Cabby uh, with all his podcasts, what he's doing and promoting all these books. And not just the books, he's promoting football uh, and and the fans, because without the fans, we've just seen how important the fans are to a football club yeah. with this pandemic that you know when we had fans in the in, in the game it's just been absolutely boring and it is fantastic you're absolutely right to see fans in the ground and when a player scores a goal running over to them supporters and the joy on those faces because for that 90 minutes no matter who you support what you're doing in your life what your situation is you forget all about them ills and worries and you just get lost in that 90 minutes. And for me, that's why it should be about entertainment as well. OK, it's always great to win, but when you go away and you're entertained and you're fulfilled, you win and you play well as well. I th- I think same as you, Gabby. Yeah. If you go down there and you're trying to entertain, trying, when I say entertain, trying to win the game. You know, not yeah. sat back making it... Uh, defensively boring to watch uh, the fans will think well we're not good enough but bye what a good game that was a good player Belling- uh, Bellingham is what a good player Sam Bowles is what a good player John Robertson is what a good player Messi you know to see that type of thing uh, and hear the fans uh, talking how much they enjoyed even though the team got beat they'll go away sat in the pub thinking and talking about this boy's going to be the next best thing so that is what I want to see with our game, is to go out and, and, and try and win a football match. Absolutely. The joy and the hope. And I've got to give a good old shout out to um, another podcast. I'm a massive fan of, uh, of this fella. His podcast, I think he's the coolest, uh, the coolest cat on the block. Steve Perryman and Steve Perryman podcast. He uh, does a great little podcast with Howard and Tom and that as the odd guests as well. And just listening to Steve talk about Tottenham and he'll be asked a question or he'll just butt in and he'll talk about a situation that happened and he just plucks it like you go into the orchard and pluck a, a, an apple off a tree. He just goes into it and talks about the likes of Gilzine or the likes of um, Alan Muller. He's a great story on the latest one about Alan Muller. I was pissing myself laughing about that story. So check him out, guys. Steve Perryman, a legend of a player and a legend of a podcaster as well. And it's brilliant, it's brilliant uh, that, you know, these ex-players do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, people will always say to me, who were the best team I played for? And I keep telling people, it was Derby County. Yeah. I'm not saying the best club, but it's a great, it's a great little club. When I say great little club, it'll get full house week in and week out if it's, uh, if it's winning uh, football games, but like lots of clubs. But, you know, I played with players like Charlie George, um, Jerry Daly, Bruce Rioch, Don Masson, Boy McFarlane, David Nish, Colin Todd. You know, if we'd have had a manager, and I'm not knocking Tommy Doc because he had a he had a big problem getting sacked at Man United. Yeah. He got the thing where he'd he, you know uh, he'd been having an affair with with the physio's wife Mary Brown. Yeah. But you'd watch Charlie. Sometimes I got lost there at Derby, and and in me, and I could do things. Players used to say to me, "Show me how to do that." But Charlie would, he would you'd play. You're yeah. playing a fight side or you're playing the game itself. And Charlie, you know, he'd look up and shout crossbar. And he'd hit the ball with the crossbar, Yeah. you know. And he'd do little things in, in, in five-a-side games where he'd chip the ball and then whistle it, put the spin on it, and then whistle the ball to come back. 
you know, we're not talking about 20 yards, we're talking about you just chip two or three yards, yeah. and then you whistle the because you put that much spin on it, the ball would uh, come back. I mean, these are things that the young players would learn from the great players what's in the game itself, and it's a pity, you know, that a lot of that has uh, been disappearing out of our game. It's not, it's not disappeared out of the game, but it's, it's, dis it's disappeared out of the British game. Absolutely, TC and Charlie. I mean, Charlie was a freak, wasn't he? Really, oh. he was. He was. He was a bloke when he was a kid. I remember Udi telling me. He said the first time I played against Charlie, we were about fifteen. Udi was playing for West London, and Charlie was playing for Islington, and they were playing at Ibury. And he said he he just hit the ball from anywhere. He was just. He, you could see as a kid, he was just incredible. He got left foot, right foot. Yeah. Great football brain. Yeah. A sublime touch, yeah. and I mean a sublime touch. You know that ball never left. You know when, when whatever weight it came at him, mm. he just killed it within a, with an instant. He just killed it. You know, and the power in his shooting, the, the power in his running, the the athleticism of him. You know, uh, getting around the pitch. Uh, when I say getting around the pitch, along the fo uh, forward line. You know, in our day. Defenders would turn around and say to people like me or to Charlie, "You stay up there. We'll sort these out." Yeah. You know, I mean, the game's changed from that type of thing. But what, what a player he yeah. was, uh, Charlie George, and I mean, what a player. And he lost a finger, didn't he, in a lawnmower accident? I've well, never, yeah, I've never he found did. out how he done that. But well, what he it, did. Well, I tell you exactly what it was. Go on. Uh, the blade had stopped. Yeah. The, flame, the blade had stopped. And he went, he didn't switch it off. Right. Right? What is it he didn't switch it off? Didn't switch it off by the electricity. Yeah. Uh, and he's gone to clean the blade, but killed, still kept his hand on the, to, to wipe it with his other hand. And then it just set off. Bloody hell. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But what a player, Gabby. What a player. Absolutely. And we referenced Alan Hudson earlier. I've just done my latest podcast with Al. My life, they my are, music. Man. Yeah, part 17. Anybody, anybody who wants to listen to a, a, a podcast, listen to Alan Hudson and uh, the Gabby Cabby. Absolutely brilliant. Udi is different, class. It's, some, it's a lot serious and there's a lot of funny, funny uh, little uh, antidotes. What Udi, with his sense of humour, uh, puts into it. Brilliant, brilliant. He, he is so funny, Alan Hudson is. I mean, you know, you have an opinion of, of people and you watch them play as footballers, but Hoodie is one of the funniest persons that I've ever, ever known. The lines that he comes out with, I mean, we're always like belly laughing. Every podcast that we've made, it, there's always been a belly laugh in there because he comes out with just some proper lines. Yeah, one line is the brilliant outlet. Oh, fantastic. It was on about eating the bar, and what he said, yeah, I was good at eating the bar in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> but a pal of his that he played with in the 80s, which leads us nicely into footballmastersmagazine.com, our, uh, our time vault in association with those guys, is Keith Birchin. And Keith, on the 25th of this month, he's 65. How Where did he play hell? with him? Then? He played with him at Stoke. Yeah, yeah. When he come back from Seattle, he he went back to Chelsea, and he was only really playing reserve team football at Chelsea. But uh, Tony Waddington, who wasn't the manager at the time, uh, was Bill Asprey, and um, he 
it was it, it it got it got out that Hudson was back from America, basically, and Waddington made the contact. Alan says he only brought me back to Stoke because he wanted his drinking partner back. But Udi had a tremendous time in that second spell at Stoke City. They were in, in a worse predicament than the first time when he first joined. But the prodigal son come back and saved them. And uh, we've got, again, a podcast about those Stoke days on our socials. SRB Media, if you want to look at any of the, the videos that, that we do, they're all on there or our socials for the individual shows as well. But yeah, Keith Burchin, what a great lad. 25th of August 1956, born in Enfield. Started off at, um, at Barnes. Well, he was at Arsenal. He was at Arsenal with uh, Brady and O'Leary. They were, they were all kids growing up. Um, Laurie Cunningham was there as well, as was Glenn Roder. And what we said earlier, or what you'd said earlier, the likes of Arsenal and Man United get these good kids, but not necessarily do they all come through at that football club. And Glenn had to go elsewhere to cut a career, as did Laurie, as did Keith, Liam yep. and, 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 um, and David O'Leary, didn't they? went through at the Arsenal, but, you know... Well, well when you look at, when you look at uh, Kane, yeah. Right. All right. We know he's been at Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? All, all his career. Yeah. But he, he went to Millwall. Yeah. In, you know, he went in and out at team at Millwall. Goes to Norwich in and out at team at yeah. Norwich. Goes to Leicester in and out at team at Leicester. Yeah. You know, you have to go out and get game time, get the experience, have a look how players, uh, uh, different players, how they go about their business, listen to what different managers have to say. So you're right. One hundred percent right. What you're saying is 100% and I agree with him on it and then he went to Ipswich Town in 1973 and moved to Birmingham City in 77 played at Norwich City so he's played for both East Anglian clubs in the space of what 10 seasons went over to America played for Jacksonville T-Men come back to Stoke in 84 that's where he, he teamed up with Udi uh, played at Sunderland, Warsaw, finished his career at Chester. I've done a, a My 70s interview with Keith, and it is really funny as well. Keith is very dry, tells some great stories. Told a wonderful story about Tommy Smith when he was at Ipswich Town. He went up for a ball, and he, with his elbow, he caught this fella. And, and in his mind, he's thinking, please don't let it be Tommy Smith. Please don't let it be. Anyhow, cut a long story short, it was. So he smashed Tommy Smith's nose. And uh, Tommy brings out that immortal line of his. Uh, I'm going to break your fucking back. <laughs> and, yeah. and the referee the referee heard him. And Keith said, what are you going to do? He says, well, not a lot. But if I was you, I'd suggest you go and play on the wing. And he said he did. And, and well, then, you see, I played against him. Yeah. When he played, well, I played against him at, uh, when I played for Doncaster Rovers. Yeah, and yeah, you did, yeah. When he was at Swansea. Yeah. And I just nipped round him, and the first, the first thing he said to me, I'll snap you in fucking two. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, if you do that again. And I looked at him, right? But I was one of them cheeky little buggers what uh, didn't bother, and so I would do it again. Yeah. And, he, you know, he would come in and he would rattle you. But and he was at the end of his career. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when he went to Swansea, and I'm just coming at, at uh, my career at uh, Doncaster Rovers and Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, I played against him at uh, Rovers and at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, when I played for Sheffield Wednesday, but great, great to learn off of them 
even though you're playing against them, because you knew uh, that they were going to rattle you, right? And you knew they were going to try and intimidate you with, you know, uh, with their experience and everything else uh, and leaving the studs there. But it taught you uh, how quick you had to be. Otherwise, they would leave the studs down you. And no, they would just wink at you or smile at you, that type of thing. Absolutely. But after, we always turn around and say to you after the game, you know, you're going to be a player or well played. Yeah. That was a good thing about them. Yeah, exactly. Fair Maybe off the, the pitch. Yeah, fair off the pitch animals, on it? But then a couple of seasons after he played for Birmingham, one of the first games of the season, he said, I went up for this ball and I was going up and up and up and I've come down and um, there I was in a ball on the floor at St Andrews and Tommy Smith was looking over me and he says, you didn't think I'd forget you, did you, son? <laughs> the brilliant them one line is, you know. Fantastic. But, like but, I said to you, Mal, with referees. Yeah, yeah. You know, first one, you get rattled. Yeah. First five minutes, to, you know, because my manager used to say, oh, so-and-so's a bit uh, timid. Let, let's see, see what, uh, when you've hit him, so-and-so, so-and-so. You know, you said to the referee, how long is this going to last for? You know, what are you going to do about it? It's first one, son. Yeah. Right? And then next one, somebody else will come and rattle you. Well, that's the second one. No, that's the first one from him. You know, and you get so angry with them at times, some of these referees, it was unreal. But again, that's what the game was like back in the yeah. day. I'm looking at the game today. You know, are the players are the players too nice? Are the players too friendly? I remember saying to Woody, you know, with you guys at Chelsea and Leeds United, you know, did you did you know each other? Did you drink with each other off the pitch, etc., and what have you? And Nuddy says, no, no, we didn't. We, we, we didn't like them. You know, and, and if we, we did like them, it wouldn't have been the same. We wouldn't have had the same battles. And I think these days, there's lots of players that they're even swapping shirts at half-time or before the game, putting their arms around the opponents. And, and and I guess when, you know, you're a kid that was brought up in the 70s or a player that played in those days, it's almost alien what the players do today. Well, that was, that was a lot of that started with managers, though, Gabby. And yeah. I tell you, I, I can't see, I can't see uh, why some players like Roy Keane, and possibly he would go, you know, because it was, in those days, not with Roy Keane, yeah. he, he, came after, he came after me, and I was just after Udi, not, not long, I was just after Udi. Uh, and the managers, were, were, you know, took your shirts in, don't be t- uh, talking to him, don't be uh, shaking hands with him, and don't be, sh- well, they didn't swap shirts in our days. Yeah. But, when you're a player, I don't oh. think, as long as you work hard, yeah. and you try and win the game, and that you've shown that, you know, and I respected you, Gavin. I'm playing against you at Birmingham, and I, because there's lots of players who I like. Yeah. You know, I mean, Simon Sainrod um, got me sent off, yeah. and he meant to get me sent off, but I admired him as a player, even yeah. after that. You know, uh, so I would want to, I mean, do swap shirts in them days. I still want to talk to him, yeah. but I can see why. But with me, once, once a game had gone, Gabby, Oh, forget it. You know, yeah. I would like Jack because Jack would argue like mad. Yeah. You know, and the next minute it was it was Raiders Raiders rain, and I'm saying really, you know, that I look at it as though, well, we've had a ding dong me and Udi, but come on, let's have a drink afterwards. Udi might look at me and think, is he fucking crackers him or what? You know, <laughs> but that's how I work. 
Yeah. Whereas for the other players, would you know the the elder animosity? Jack held that when he played. Yeah. Because he did have a black book, Jack. Oh well, and Johnny Charles did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they could be nasty, but so could all other teams. Yeah. You know, the Chelsea had been in there. Don't worry about that. Oh, they 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 all had those hatchet men, and and you're right. I mean, at Chelsea, not none none more notorious than uh, Ron Chopper Harris. Yeah. Well. Officious. I mean, it always shows you that one, uh, how best kept his balance. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you think about that and look at it, and it shows you. It shows how many times you see it. How he stays on his feet, I do not know. Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was talking to Woody, he said, uh, Chopper, to this day, you're watching, he still thinks the best he'll go down. Yeah. Well, incredible. You don't know how he stays on his feet when you look at it. It's incredible. I mean, he, he takes a right whack out of Judd, but I think most other players would have gone down. But, you know, we're, we're talking about George Best. George had the greatest balance of any yeah, British footballer ever, didn't they? Without any doubt. Mm. Without any doubt. He, like all these great players, he has that balance. Yeah. But, when I would disagree with you and all, all the others, George didn't want to go down. He yeah. wanted to keep going and take the piss out of yeah. um, Chopper Harris. Look, even that can't bring me down. And he wanted to score the goal. He wanted to take. The, he wanted to go past somebody else. And I think that was a lot of things with George. Yeah. You know, he wanted to laugh at him because they couldn't. You know, I mean, obviously some of the fouls were absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. How he had, how he didn't get serious injuries, I'll never know. Yeah, it's incredible. I'll never know. But for me, when I watch him. And I watch him more than anybody else. When I watch him, I look at it and I think to myself, "What he, he's doing this on purpose? He just, he, you know, he could anybody else, but not anybody else. Vast vast majority of players would have gone down. Yeah. Would have gone down. But George wanted to keep going. He, you know, he loved the roar of the crowd. It was incredible how how, how he did it, uh, and and the reason for him staying on his feet." Absolutely, he loved the I mean, crowd, and the crowd loved him. Two of the big one. That's how you live. Two of the great ones. I I, I remember. No, there's that many, and I've seen that many. It's untrue. Mm. There's the one where he he, he, he takes his uh, shoe off. Yeah. yeah. And going to the player, come and get it. You want it that bad? Come and get it. I'll even play without my shoe on. You know things like that. I would love to see some players do it. Yeah. You know, but it, it, it you know, it's, it, I mean, I was watching the other day, Gabby, on television, uh, Sancho messing around with the ball, yeah. doing, you know, uh, side to side and things like that. Mm. And I said to me, I said to me, lads, I said, you know, when I would, I used to do that, you know, these, the, some of the managers, not Cluffy, not Kendall, Jack yeah. would do it, Lottie Mack would do it, uh, Mick Buxton would do it, uh, Maurice Setters would do it. They would turn around and say, if you want to mess around with tricks, you know, by yourself or in a game, go into a circle, into a circus. Yeah. Go and get yourself in a circus and go touring up and down country that way. And you used to think to yourself, you know, if if the opposition doesn't know what you're going to do, it's got to be better for the team. Absolutely. You know, and then the manager would come out and say, well, we don't know what he's going to do. Well, good. What do you want to do? Send the full back or send the centre back or send a midfield player? Oh, I'm going to go to my right hand side this time. And so, so he takes the ball off me. It baffles me that Gabby. It really does. It's quite incredible, but they say there's certain managers, coaches with that type of philosophy. Yet others would go, 
Just go out and entertain, son. Just go and do what you've got to do. TC, what we have got to do is we've got to go shortly because it's almost an hour up. The vacuum cleaner is firing as we talk. We're going to look at another feature on the uh, the podcast, Match of the Day. Now, in the olden days, Match of the Day wasn't a mouthpiece or a soundbite for the Premier League. I've posted up a few of Sheffield Wednesday's games and uh, and Everton as well when you destroyed Luton on uh, on a Match of the Day uh, game. It used to be three games and it didn't have to be from the top flights. I think your game against Sheffield United when you scored the Wonder Goal was one of those on match of the day as well. So what we're going to do going forward, we're going to look at next week, the fixtures, and you give me what your match of the day was. It could be from any league. It could be it could be from, from a conference league. But just two teams that you go in, fancy that game, match of the day. So, well, when you say match of the day, you mean from yesteryear or from what's happening? No, from from Saturday? from next from next week. Like for instance, the match okay. of the day this week has got to be Spurs opener against Manchester City. That's live on Super Sunday. Could be Jack Grealish's debut in a City shirt, league debut, of course. He did come on in the Charity Shield, and Harry Kane will he or won't he? Which with Messi now going to Paris Saint-Germain, does that does that chance City's arm a little bit? Because they've won the league under Pep. They want to win the Champions League. I think that they just need to go and get somebody that's almost guaranteed 20, 30 league goals for them. But and I think Kane's that player. Again, I understand all of you. I yeah. understand all of you. And I understand why they say it. Yeah. But the, the way how Pep plays... And things is a lot different from anybody else. Oh, it is, but Kane would Kane would add to that team, surely. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing is with Kane, and I'm not saying he wouldn't, Gabby. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is, Pep's overthought for me, uh, and I love Pep. Yep. And these and these uh, since he's been at Manchester City, uh, in these Champions League games, mm. I'm not saying he wouldn't. I'm not saying. Look, a prime example. Torres looks a will be to at um, Atletico Madrid yep. and at Spurs. Yeah. It goes to Chelsea. Yep. And looks so ordinary, it's untrue. How can that happen? And I'm not saying it would happen to Harry Kane because the way our City play, it probably would suit him. Yeah. But Pep's got things in his head, mm. and he might not think Kane uh, would fit his style of play. We we might think he he would, but it. it it, it, it's a dodgy. It's not dodgy. It makes you think. Why does Pep? Because listen, when you look at every major centre forward he's had, mm. he's got rid of. Did you know that? Sorry. Every major centre forward he's had, yeah, Pep, he's got rid of. Eto, he had him for a while. He got rid of him. Eto weren't happy when he got rid of him. Ibrahim, a bit of not. What they call him? Yeah, Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Yeah, he got rid of him. Mm. Right. The one at, at uh, but he did like him at um, Bayern Munich. Um, the main goal scorer there, what's his name? Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Yeah. You know, uh, but when he came to City, he, he didn't. He weren't going to play. Um, Aguero. Aguero. Yeah. But he, you know, Aguero got his head down, worked out, and got back into the team. Mm. You know, so. So, at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one. Would I buy Harry Kane? 
if I thought it'd do, it'd do uh, my team world of good, yes, I would. But there's a limit to what I think he's worth. Yeah. Do I think he's worth 150,000, 160,000? No. And if you say, well, if he can guarantee, if he can guarantee me winning Champions League, there's no... Messi and Ronaldo have been the best two players in the world in this last... I mean, Ronaldo's won it three times. Yeah. Messi's won it twice. Mm. But when you look at... They should be winning on a regular basis if you're going to go down that line. Yeah. Uh, if you sign a Messi or Ronaldo... Uh, you expected to win the the Champions League and your and your league itself. Now, even them players have only won it three times and, and twice. People start laughing at that, saying only. I'm just using that no. as an expression. Yep. Yep. I'm just using it as an expression. But could get could could Andy Kane guarantee him? I don't think any player could guarantee anything. And I think that Paris Saint-Germain do look as though they're the team to beat with all them players. But as you say, TC, we've seen it before. We've all, you know, like, for instance, Real Madrid, we when they go, went down the avenue of all the Galacticos, it doesn't necessarily mean... Because them, they, yeah, it took, exactly. It took a long time, you yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't necessarily mean best team, best players, they're going to win things. Uh, City, look... I just think City have always looked to cut above and if I'm honest, just the one thing and I think just that natural goal scorer because I just don't think that Jesus is the player and I think that either Lewandowski or Harry Kane would be a great fit. I think Ireland would as well but they're not going to go for him at the moment. You know the most important thing in a football club? Manager. Without a question of a doubt. Mm. I mean, Liverpool... People going about Liverpool, and my opinion of them is, for two years, they pressed, they worked, they wanted every ball, they wanted every corner, they wanted to uh, win every game. And for two years, they worked that hard. Yeah. Yes, they've had injury. Mm. That, because choose how good you are as players, to work that hard like Liverpool did for two years, it's going to take or sap some of that energy out of you. Yeah. And as it sapped energy out of them, that some of these players got injured or got injured because of that, right? What I'm trying to say is, if you've got a right of the, the look at all the top managers throughout the world, what's yeah. won major trophies, mm. you know, they've had strong players, and it's handling those strong players. And look at and you look at um, at. Um, Paris Saint-Germain, and I like Poch. I like him as a player. I remember him as a player, and I like him as a manager. Yet he's still not won anything. Yep. He's Absolutely. not the major trophy. No. Right? Now, he's got to get the best out of all these players together. Yep. Right? Because, you know, regardless what anybody says, and yes, I, I do think they do get on the Neymar and, and Messi, because when they, when they played together at Barcelona... But they will still be out trying to do each other. I don't think Messi does, but they, I mean, when you look at ne Neymar, he's full of tricks. Oh, yeah. If Box he did him. things, if he did things hmm. like Messi, the early ball at times. Yes. Yep. We'd be talking about him as being one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. It's only because he wants to free uh, freestyle in games. Yeah. And I think he does it too much because I'm talking about a game now. Yep. You know, you've got to try and win the game. Mm. You can still put your, 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 your nutmegs in. You can still put all your fancy bits in, but not as much as he does, Neymar, in a game itself. Absolutely. Especially when it's nil-nils. Yeah. 
when he, you know, the important pass which he's got in him, yep, could could give him a winning goal. And sometimes I think he overdoes it, you know. But but when he does it, you look at it, you think that's brilliant, and you think wow, you know. But it does hold the team back, and that's what the good managers get get the best out of the players and to do the right thing. I mean, a prime example, I saw Aguero at Manchester City. I've never seen him do it in any other football club. He he got one-on-one against a goalkeeper. And I've never seen him not take that chance. Yeah, He'd been in and out inside the city. He'd been in for a few games and he played the ball. And I said to myself, Pep must have some power. Yeah. He must have some power because you would, I would have, I would, you've never thought that Aguero would have done that. Yeah. But uh, we're coming to end of it, aren't we? We certainly are, TC. We're going to get, yeah, we're going to get. I won one nil. We had an absolute dreadful forecast. We got everyone wrong, (laughs) both of us, apart from the last one, Coventry versus Forest. I put down a two-one win for Coventry, and you'd put down a one-nil win for Forest. So I won one nil. Absolutely stunk the place out. It's funny so, because looking at it, you know, come to you a far the better team because they were trying to win the game. Yeah. But my uh, my team go one nil up for us, whereas my team, yeah. uh, my pick, uh, my pick uh, in that game, mm-hmm. it looked like being a one nil because, and all of a sudden they make a mistake and then Coventry got back into it, but didn't get back into it because Coventry were the best team. They played the best football. It was only a matter of timing. You thought once they scored, they'd go on to win it, you know, but. I've, always, I've tried to tell the Forest, and he's not knocking Chris Newton because he was a great footballer, but I, I don't want to watch his teams play the, play too negative. That's my honest opinion of it. I agree. Chris Chris is like that. He's very pragmatic. I don't like pragmatic managers. I like managers that try and go out and, and get their teams to win the game rather than when they get the lead, sit back, defend, because I just think that's it's a recipe for disaster. So that's our game of uh, match of the day for next week. So we'll talk about our match of the day on the back of it. How do you see it going then? So first and foremostly, with our predictions, we start off with the match of the day. How do you see this one going, TC? Spurs at home versus... Is Manchester City. I think uh, I think this will be a three niler because obviously Ch- uh, Tottenham haven't got uh, in place what the manager would have liked. Yeah. Um. He wasn't the first choice manager for Daniel Levy. Yeah. There's still a bit, there's still a bit of turmoil with Harry Kane. Yep. He will. I don't think he will if he plays. Will be give hundred percent because he always does that. You know, he may be having a bit of a bad run with England, but he's not scoring goals. Mm. But you can always see him if the chance comes. He's very for it. He keeps he keeps going. He keeps going. So I don't think it's quite right at Tottenham. Um, well, only time will tell. But I think this will be a three nil Man City. I'm gonna go two one Man City. I think it'll be a bit closer. And Jack Grealish, Super Jack, has scored a winning goal on his debut. Fantastic. Everton versus Southampton. Two of your clubs, TC former clubs, go head to head. How do you see this one going? I'm gonna go for a draw. I'm not a massive big Benitez fan. Yep. He plays too, too much boring football. Southampton's lost a couple of good players, um, which will knock them back. But they've just signed a couple of good. Yes, players. they have. Yeah. And how quick and how quickly they fit in. I do like the manager. I'm going to go for a one-one draw. Yeah, I'm they going were, to go one-one as well. So poor against Manchester United the other day. I, you know, watched that game. Everton Man United looked so poor. Yeah, so disorganised, so disjointed. 
Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna go one one as well. Peterborough versus Derby. Uh, Peterborough lost obviously in, in the cup four nil away at Plymouth, but they made that many changes. You can't read anything into a, a cup game. And um, and, I know, and but Derby look at that they get beat three nil at Luton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try, it's early part of the season. You yeah. want to try and get some confidence into it. Yeah, you do. They make, they make loads of changes. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not knocking Ferguson. I understand why they do it. Yeah. You know, but I'd want to, I'd want to get confidence into players. Absolutely. I'm gonna, I mean, Rooney gets a lot of stick. I think Rooney's done marvellous under the circumstances at Derby County. Yeah. I'm going to go for, you'll laugh at this, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win with a, the winning goal coming from... Uh, Morrison. Well, I've beaten you to it because I do write these things down as you're talking and I've put down 2-1 Derby. I think Derby will win. I like Louis Sibley that plays up front for Derby. I think yeah. he's a tremendous player and you're right, they've got so many young kids, lots of go- he's going wrong at I like, Derby. I, I like that Rooney uh, still wants to play football. Absolutely, I hope Wayne does it. Character, but it not to affect him. You know, yeah. he's got that, he's going to do it, he's going to play football. We're going to get on with it. He does have a little thing that we've got to get some experienced players into it. Yeah. But he's not all good. No, no one's going to bother bother him. So I think I think they'll be all right, Derby. I really do. People I, will laugh at it, but I do think they'll be okay. I hope they are, and they will be, because I do like Wayne Rooney. I like his philosophy of football, and we need managers like that to yeah. succeed. Huddersfield versus Fulham. How do you see this one going to? You see again one of your old clubs, Huddersfield. Yeah, I don't like to go against one of my old clubs, but um, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win Fulham. Right, I'm going to go... I'm going to go 1-0 Huddersfield, just to go against right. you there. I do, I do rate Fulham, actually. I think that they will I win. I you were about Fulham 1-0, weren't you? Hoping I'm going to go for Huddersfield. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> I was. But I'm going to go against the grain, because I don't like to go with the same results as UTC. Well, uh, I used to do that with Jack. I used to go against Greg and get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Nottingham Forest versus Bournemouth. How do you see one of your old clubs? And you will be there at that game. I'm going to be at that game. Obviously, I want Forest to win. Yep. But I, th- uh, um, I think under Scott Parker, Bournemouth will be up there challenging. I like the way how his team plays football. So yep. I'm going to go for... 1-0 Bournemouth. Mm, I've gone 2-0 Bournemouth. So I'm going to go 1-0 Bournemouth. And finally, Sheffield Wednesday versus Doncaster, the team that you love and you played for, against the team where you started your career. There's only one There's only one winner this weekend, and that is uh, Wednesday. I think they'll be too strong for Doncaster, even though I like Mitchie Wellens, and then Doncaster gave me my first term... Um, uh, starting football. Yep. My love for Wednesday outbeats all that. Um, I think Darren Moore has put some decent players in that team uh, to give them a chance to. Because I thought there was I thought there was struggle because of the financial side of it. They let all the players go, but he's fetched new players in. Um, but the first ten games are important because that will tell you. Because if if they don't don't do well. Some of these players will be gone, and, and Chad said it was, you know, it will put a, a, an old on it, and Wednesday could find themselves in a in a difficult scenario. So, this is a really big first ten game for Sheffield Wednesday, but I'm I'm, I'm going for 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 Wednesday to win uh, three 0 
I'm going to go uh, one one in this game. Where you just been, TC? You've been down a mine shaft. No, I've, you... I've, I've just I did I did. I did a, I did a thing like I did at Southampton. <laughs> came off and went for a week. Say no more. <laughs> I so, tried to be as as possible, but I couldn't wait any longer. TC, it's been a ball again. Thank you so much for your time. Love to you and yours. And let's hope that we're all singing the blues uh, after the weekend's games yeah, so and fixtures of football. Weekend, a positive. Love to yours. Hope your teams do well, all of you, barring the ones what's playing Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, but after that, good luck to them. Have a great season. Have a great Saturday. Uh, and let's have some fans back in the ground. No trouble. Just go and enjoy the game. Absolutely. Here, here. And uh, buy TC's book all on the social his social media sites now. Um, what's the price anyhow, by the way, TC, of the book? It's a uh, £20 postage and package. Uh, so um, we obviously we have to pay. Uh, yeah, cheaper half the price, too. So, yep. The, the, uh, the authors and all that, but uh, it's been worth doing. It's been worth doing. So uh, let's hope it's a good seller. Absolutely. It's all going again. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers, TC. Cheers. Enjoy. Bye bye. Ta-da, bit.